I'm Molly Wood, author of CNET's Buzz Report. And I'm Tom Merritt, author of CNET's The Real Deal. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud, the podcast of indeterminate length. We have uh, an, a very special interview with Weblog Inc. Weblogs Inc. CEO Jason Kalkanis coming up next, but first a little bit of news. Yeah, we had a, uh, a little announcement this morning about Google and Comcast, I believe, mm-hmm. kind of jumping in and buying a stake of AOL, possibly. Possibly. Uh, it's talks at this point. But from what we can see, uh, current estimates, would this be around $5 billion <laughs> transferring around? Uh, and an article claims that Microsoft has also shown interest in tying up MSN and AOL services. So Suddenly, AOL is like hot property. Yeah. Google, I'm sorry. Microsoft and Google buying a piece of AOL. Whoa. And what? Time Warner would still own part of it. Right. What is, wow. Wow. Wait, I said Comcast earlier, there, and, and that that was incorrect. Well, really? Yeah. That's what the Go- news. dot com story said originally this morning. I thought I thought that was a different uh, ganging up. I'm looking at the BBC story. What does the news. dot com story say? Let's find out. The BBC story says nothing about Comcast, it and and the news. dot com story is what stuck it in my mind. But oh, that's why. Okay, so it would just be. Well, no, this says Google and Comcast are in discussions to buy minority stake in Time Warner's America Online. Okay, so Google and Comcast That's would be what pooling, Reuters is perf- and then Microsoft is a separate deal. Yes, exactly. So it would be a joint Google-Comcast venture, and then Microsoft might try to take a chunk off the side, too. You know, or ta- AOL is like a big little dead fish. In the Ever ocean. since Time Warner took AOL out of their name, yeah. I think they haven't really known what to do with it. Yeah, I think they would probably be happiest if someone would buy it outright. And, and it's still a decent property. I mean, they have... They're going in the right direction, in my opinion, becoming a content area rather right. than just an ISP. Which, uh, which makes today's interview all the more Yes, it does. It timely, as a matter of fact. But you have a little more fun story you want to talk about, don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> so now, let me preface this by saying that this news is coming from the UK tabloid, The Sun. So it's journalistic chops are not to be vouched for. This is in the fine tradition of British journalism that brought us the killer dolphins at Loose in the Gulf. Yes, exactly. Story, which turned out to be totally false. But apparently, British Telecom has been researching and looking into the possibility of an MP3 breast implant. Which what? would <laughs> allow women with such implants to store all their music, perhaps on one side, and then play back the music possibly on the other side uh, with the help of Bluetooth and Bluetooth headsets. Now, men would conceivably be able to get this as well. <laughs> I guess. It would just look a little strange. Well, a- according to the Sun story, it, the researcher Ian Pearson says that he, he thinks that he, it's hard for him to believe that someone would have something permanently installed on their body that had no other use than pure decoration. So he thinks as long as women are going to have breast implants, they might as well do something. They so, might as well be useful. So, yeah, I mean, this opens up a whole new world. Cell phones. I mean, with Bluetooth, right? Because then you don't have to worry about a headphone jack. Right. What about power, Which you though? do not want to What happens when the about? battery dies and you need to recharge? I, I don't know. I don't know. All right. The, Maybe it's biocharged. The mind wanders. Yes. But we've gone from <laughs> heavy-duty internet <laughs> stock financing to this. Right. So let's try and pull it back towards the center. Back around. And uh, go to our interview with Jason Calcanis, which despite what he says, it was not Veronica's fault, but this was the second take because the first take got munched. Yes. All right, we have Jason Calcanis, CEO of Weblogs Inc., now an AOL property with us. Thanks for joining us, Jason. 
Thanks for thanks for having me. And I guess I'm not supposed to mention that we had to re-record the entire podcast. <laughs> that is right. Absolutely, do not mention that this is our second take. This is, thanks, this Chase, is live. Doesn't everyone know? Live. And <laughs> yeah. It never happens in the very. Hey, you know what? Live on our reader, our users' iPods. That kind of stuff <laughs> makes people feel better about their own podcasts and exactly, their own technical exactly. problems because everybody CNET, has the mighty this CNET lost the entire podcast. We're doing it again. Yeah, it so, happens to everybody. So we we apologize before. to our listeners because the. <laughs> The first interview was awesome. Oh, yeah. My energy is much lower. <laughs> we got all the good dish. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll we'll never get him to say that stuff again. <laughs> all right. So let's start off talking a little bit about Weblogs, Inc. I think most of our uh, listeners are familiar with Engadget, but they may not know about the rest of the company. So tell us a little bit about how it works. Yeah. It's, um, it's, a, pr- it's a pretty b- basic concept, uh, which you're seeing more and more of these days. But uh, we decided we were going to put together a group of blogs about two years ago. And Engadget was one of them, and TV Squad, and Joystick, and Hackaday, and a bunch of these other blogs, Autoblog. And uh, the concept was pretty straightforward. Uh, let's try to make a business out of blogs. And, you know, that seems like a pretty obvious thing now, especially in light of uh, our acquisition and, you know, the advertising, and I guess, you know, uh, Engadget breaking a lot of news stories ahead of, you know, a lot of other news sources. It, it, it seems like a foregone conclusion that, you know, oh yeah, blogs can make money. But uh, two years ago, obviously, nobody was doing that. And, um, you know, we actually, I, I, got, I think I got booed at South by Southwest for even suggesting <laughs> that, you know, bloggers should get paid. How dare you? Exactly, exactly. Right. But you know what, this, this happens at the start of every medium. At the start of the web, people were protesting the fact that Hotwired put a banner up, you know, for Zima, and they were going to, you know, protest it. And then somebody was like, hey, guys, uh, those are your friends who work over there, you know, in the mission, you know, at Wired. Like, they need to get paid, and if they don't put banner ads up, they can't get paid, or you're going to have to pay for the content. Well, it's so, actually what we were saying at the very end of the interview, Now Gone Forever, about Mosaic coming <laughs> out. And everyone, oh, it's going to ruin the web because there will be images, and then Absolutely. that means ads. Right. And, yeah. and what we're seeing with blogs right now is kind of the same thing. And we've gone from home pages for companies to companies having whole businesses on the web, and, and blogs is, is another way of publishing. And, you know, advertising on the web has become a huge business. And, you know, whether it's Google AdSense or just people buying direct ads, you know, there's so much content available for free now, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, when we started in the web game back in 94, 95, you know, there was like, you know, the updated site list. So you could basically visit maybe one, two, three sites a day, and you could keep up with every website on the Internet. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That lasted for about a year or two. And, you know, then it became the list was 50 sites long, and then it was over. It went from 50 to 5,000 to 50,000 to 5 million a day. But uh, anyway, you know, we, we wanted to make this sustainable. I'm a writer by trade. I wanted to see, you know, if, you know, I was trying to solve my own problem, which was I was becoming a big fan of these blogs. And, you know, the, um, the, the, the fact was people were not putting enough time into their blogs. The best ones you know, it seemed like the person was doing it for an hour a day, and I wanted more. And they would go on vacation or, or get a job or, you know, do selfish things like that, you know. How dare they? they would go live their lives, have babies, go on vacation, you know. And, uh, you know, the blog would suffer because they had to go pay the rent. And I said, well, what if blogging mm-hmm. paid the rent? You know, all of a sudden we had this sort of like aha moment. My partner, Brian Alvey, and I, uh, who was a pretty famous designer, content management system guy who worked with Jeff Jeffrey Zeldman, a whole bunch, who's another famous guy who does a list of part. And, you know, Brian Alvey and I started talk, talking about it, and we, we said, can this work? And the answer was no. You know, you, you really can't make a blog, make enough money 
but uh, we started to model it, and it turned out when we got to 50 blogs, 100 blogs, 200 blogs, it started to look like more of a business. And somewhere around 200, 300 blogs, we started to say, okay, there's a real business here, and we, we just have to build a lot of these things and make a little money off each. And that's not exactly what's happened. I mean, we, we do have a lot of hits that are broken out, whether it's in Gadget, Joystick, Autoblog, TV Squad, Luxus. But, you know, and you have 90 blogs, is that about We've got 90 blogs now. Some of them are not updated all the time because they're event-driven or mm-hmm. personality-driven. But uh, and you so know, a good number of them are updated you know, over 10 times a day, in some cases 20, 30, 40 times a day. Uh, they've become, in some cases, like CNN. You know, in Gadget, I like to call the CNN of the Gadget world. It's, it's 24 hours a day. There are people working it 24 hours a day on, I think, five continents now. And... Uh, you know, maybe ten countries and in five different languages. So, it's uh, it's become it's become a real big business. Uh, but it stayed true to the ethos of blogging, which is it's unfiltered content by, you know, essentially citizens. Right. So in a sense, so you're obviously, right. no, go ahead, Mark. So so obviously, it is successful as a business. None none the more demonstrated by the fact that AOL. Highly successful. A lot of money <laughs> on it. Um, how do you expect, if at all, that being bought by AOL, which is not necessarily known for unfiltered content, will change what you do? Well, I mean, I think actually AOL is known for unfiltered content. I would disagree with that. Um, uh, they, I mean, they do have, you're right, you know, the sort of, they, they, they license content from different people and, you know, they have professionally produced content for the masses. But, uh, you know, they've been doing forums and chat rooms and homepages since the beginning. I mean, they were That's the original true. people doing a lot of those things. Yeah, good point. And so, you know, for them, blogging was not scary at all. And as a matter of fact, that was sort of like one of the reasons we did the deal. We, we weren't looking to do a deal. We weren't looking to be acquired. But, uh, you know, we were in the process of raising money from, uh, you know, some, you know, sort of Internet uh, gurus, you know, people who had done incredibly well in the internet business, and we already had one as our angel investor, Mark Cuban, of the Dallas Mavericks and HDNet and, um, you know, Ice Rocket and a bunch of other interesting sites and, and companies, uh, mm-hmm. formerly at Broadcast.com, which is called Yahoo. So now AOL has become the investor. Well, AOL is now the investor, that's right. And, you know, that joke is better the second time around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Burn. Uh, this would be like a reoccurring theme, which is Keep talking about how Veronica <laughs> lost the tape. Anyway, it's Groundhog Day. Oh, watch it, Jason. Oh, watch it. Okay. Yeah, Veronica's Veronica in has, charge. You and know, she has an army of fans on our podcast. So I you know, want to be I know. careful. Veronica's great. We love Veronica. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Anyway. So back do you, to the so rant. do you so do you feel confident that AOL is going to let that unfiltered content Absolutely. continue? Hundred percent confident. It's 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 their agreement with us, and you know they. They actually, you know, in truth, you know, they, they, they understand this business. It's not scary to them like it might be to a big traditional media company that's been filtering people forever. You know, they understand how to deal with unfiltered content, which means, you know, you have to take appropriate action when something does go wrong, you know, after the fact. Just like a newspaper when Jason Blair did what he did or, you know, you get a factual error, the newspaper's going correct it. We have to go and correct what we do and mm-hmm. we have to be honest if we get duped or something. You know, it's like any other news organization. You put in... You put in uh, ways to deal with that, just like a message board does. If somebody goes on a message board and goes absolutely bonkers with hate speech, you, you, you block their IP address, you turn them off, you apologize to the community, you know, and you do the best right. you can to police it. And, and they understand that. And you know, our, ro- our, ro- our role at Weblogs, Inc. has always been just support the bloggers, hire great bloggers, pay them as well as we can, and get out of their way. And just support them, support them, support them. And now AOL's role with Weblogs, Inc. is support the heck out of Weblogs, Inc., with traffic, with infrastructure, 
with money to go do more interesting things, you know? Well, and, now, uh, a lot of people have started to do the same model that Weblogs Inc. has, and I, I mentioned, again, this is the same joke second time, but only to us, uh, Sports Blog Nation, which uh, yeah. does a collection of Major League Baseball blog Great sites idea. that are almost better than MLB.com, at least yeah, as far I'm as sure finding they're better information. Than MLB, and I'm sure they're much better than a lot of the newspaper coverage. I mean, yeah. a newspaper gives you know a column or two to their baseball team a day, if that, and uh, they can just write forever on it, and you know, uh, somebody who's writing as a journalist has to have this, you know, uh, you know, uh, appearance of or goal of being, um, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Unbiased. Well, you know? They have to appear objective, but they're objective, also someone in the, the pocket of the team. Whereas the the blogs are are like you say, they're unfiltered. They can and they say don't care. They and want. they don't care. It's like you know, it's it's one of the great things. You know, on CNET, it's you know, it's it's going to be a little bit harder for you guys to say, my God, Sony really sucks. Because it doesn't, you know, become seen that. And that's not a diss. You guys have a certain way of doing business. You're objective. You may not Sony use does that language. suck, though, a lot of times. <laughs> they do suck, but just, you be careful because you're going to get a visit from the man. Actually, you don't want to say Apple sucks because then they send their goons out oh, after you. Oh, forget that. If you say Apple sucks, <laughs> you don't have to worry about the goons because... They're going to include Veronica. Uses, Veronica, for instance, is one of those dudes. <laughs> i, I, I got to tell you something. If, if Steve Jobs made a ham sandwich... <laughs> there would be like a million people tuning into. Here she comes. Did you say Steve Jobs is making a ham Here sandwich? Exactly. <laughs> I, I, love get someone on that. I love ham sandwiches. <laughs> the I ham. Yeah, anyway, trying to, try to pull it back to, to where I was going. What how, do you think more of these these blog aggregations are going to follow in the same path where they will look to a larger company to provide a little more of that infrastructure and traffic and things that you're going to benefit from? Anytime you have a transaction like this or, a, you know, uh, you know, something that happens that's, you know, I guess this is kind of big. Uh, you know, it, it, it feels like this is kind of a big deal. Uh, you always, you're always going to have people, you know, chase that model down. I don't necessarily think that's a great idea, you know. Uh, we yeah. did this because it was a perfect fit. I, I'm not, I wouldn't suggest to everybody who's got a blog network, like, oh, go find a huge partner, you know. Well, and what does it mean, I guess, for the independent blogger? Like, if you use the sort of fish in the sea metaphor, you know, there's always a bigger fish. And I think some small... Some very small blogging sites who are just kind of one blog are maybe now feeling a little bit like they're and and we're feeling it actually before this deal we're feeling like they were in your shadow. And yeah, so, you know, I, I always found that just really silly because we have 130 bloggers. There's 18 million blogs out there. There's probably five to 10 million bloggers. We represent 0.001 percent of the of the you know market out there. Yeah, but you now, definitely set out to do blogging as a business, whereas yeah, somebody with a what? hobby site who still wants traffic is definitely not, you know, they're not a, they may be right or wrong about feeling overshadowed, but they're certainly not doing it at the same level you're doing it, you know? They're not doing it at the same level, but, you know, we didn't come into it and say, we're going to put CNET out of business. We knew that was ridiculous, you know? We said, we're going to do what we do really well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, CNET has not been crushed by Engadget. Engadget, I, I, I would... I would guess that Engadget hasn't even made a dent. I'm sure CNET's doing better than ever. So I, I, I don't buy into this. It's a zero-sum game. One thing replaces the other. People are in other people's shadows. You know, if you want to do a car blog today, the fact is you're going to have to compete with Autoblog, which is the number one site, which does 100,000 pages a day, Nick Denton's Jalopnik, which is the number two site that does 20 or 30,000 pages a day, and then there's probably 15 or 20 blogs that do 5,000 pages a day, and then a couple of hundred that do 1,000 pages a day. So if you want to come into that space, mm-hmm. you're going to have to compete. Mm-hmm. And, but as long as you define for yourself what success is, maybe for success you is being the number one Mini Cooper site or the number one Ferrari site. 
You know, so you don't want to jump in front of a, you know, a, a huge train. I mean, we did that in terms of jumping in front of CNET, but, you know, we, we had defined what success for us. Success for us was we wanted to be the place that was updated the most, that had the, you know, uh, you know the, the, that broke the most news and, you know, uh, had the most inside track. And we achieved that goal. And, and you know, we, we, we sort of, we, you have to, as an entrepreneur, set what, you have to define what success is for you. Mm-hmm. And I find that people who define success by, like, everybody else, those people are not real entrepreneurs to me. You know, they're, they're sort of like these sort of player-hating kind of people, you know, like, oh, my Don't God, you know, Engadget is so big, I can't write a story. You know, it's like, well, maybe you have a better perspective on the iPod than Engadget does. And maybe Engadget has a better perspective on the TiVo than CNET does. And maybe PVR Blog has the best view of the TiVo. You know, and there's, there's so much room in this for everybody. And the bottom line is if I type iPod into Technorati or Google's blog search or Delicious, your blog can come up right next to Engadget mm-hmm. and right next to CNET and right next to Walt Mossberg. So what's the difference? Yeah, right? it's the brilliance of the web. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it really is a equalizer. level playing field. I mean, anybody who wants us to be any more of a level playing field is being a little bit of a baby, I think, you know, honestly. <laughs> yeah, babies. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't, babies. I don't want to... I know that I'm beating around the bush here. Yeah. I, 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 I should try to be a little more upfront, but come on, grow up. It's, it's like you couldn't possibly have a more open playing field. Anybody can do anything. The publishing cost tools cost nothing. I mean, they yeah, once, yeah. Once, once you're out of poverty, pretty much, anybody can, can get on the web and, and start something. Absolutely. Of any you kind. Know what? Uh-huh. Don't go to sleep. You know, Peter Rojas and Ryan at Engadget wanted to be the number one gadget site. You know what they did? They hustled. They worked harder. And you and I, Molly, fought about this a bunch. And you wrote your blogs or, you know, uh, scandalous, you know, rumor mongers who don't sign whatever uh, NDAs. And I said, you know what? That's not why they're winning. They're winning because they hustle more. And I believe that. I believe that, you know, the person who works harder will get the, will ultimately have the better product. And and, and that's what it's about. And look, I think CNET uh, is is becoming a better product because of Engadget. Would you guys agree? Um, You know, competition always makes everybody better. Yeah, Unless absolutely. you're from Tech TV, which right. is where I came well, from. you capitulate and give up. And that's when you just give up and throw, your, throw yourself to Comcast and get what run over by the train. Happened? But, you know. Well, it used to be good. You know, it's like every Most time, of the time, competition makes everybody better. Yeah, well, we, in the beginning, and then they decided they were going to yeah. do like 24 hours a day about uh, internet stocks. That was a great. That was a great. That was a great move at a great <laughs> time. Like, we're going to be like, um, you know, the Man Show Channel or something, and it's like, just do what works. Like people loved, you know, Leo, and, and they still do. Loved Chris yeah. Carrillo. Yeah, I mean, people right. are still stars out there. I th- I'm seeing tears in Tom's eyes, so we're gonna have to wrap it up. Okay. Well, thanks, Jason, <laughs> for joining us. We appreciate you coming on a second time. Again. It was even better the second time. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll expect to call in 15 minutes. Yeah, all right. Veronica, thanks a lot. Uh, deletes the file. <laughs> Shut up. Thanks. <laughs> and thanks a lot for all the, uh, the the kudos. You guys have been really great to us of late. I appreciate it. No problem. Okay. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Bye, care. Jason. Bye. All right, and we want to thank Jason for coming on again. By the way, he's referring right near the end there to a column that you wrote about NDAs, and he said that you said something about rumor-mongering, but what was... Yes, well, he says that I referred to blogs as rumor, scandal sheets, that kind of thing. What I said in the column was uh, I I referred to Engadget and Gizmodo both as rumor sites. And you still stand by that? Well, I think it's a, a narrow description but it is not inaccurate. All right. Just wanted to... So, but I, I urge you all to read the column, buzz.cnet.com. You can find it there. We got some good emails that came in. Uh, apparently, my uh, 
my uh, uh, PayPal account has been suspended again. Oh, no. But no problem <laughs> because I can get a bunch of money from Nigeria. Oh, super. Also, uh, well, you know, every cloud, huh? <laughs> got a, got a, another note in from who, someone I referred to as Acid2002. He says, my name is Mo Salam. Okay, I got it. Your <laughs> name is Mo Salam. Uh, he's from the UK. He followed up on the EMAC thing we were talking uh, about. Okay. And his beef is not that it's not available anymore, but it is now designed for education and you can only get them from the education oh, store. I see. So it's dead as a consumer desktop, which is what his uh, preference was to use it for. He, so that, he also mentions, which is something that a couple of readers mentioned or listeners mentioned, that um, the new the TV shows that are now available through iTunes 6 are not available outside the U.S., so you can only download that TV content to your video iPod if you live in the U.S., which is uh, a little lame. But you could see why Disney didn't want to have some worldwide licensing agreement. Oh, uh, well, or not that they wouldn't want to, but just the it becomes so much more complex. Yes. Given all of the regioning that people do, which I, I think is starting to go away. There's a lot of new deals being struck where the regioning, for instance, in Europe, they just uh, changed the rules so that they don't have to have separate region agreements for every single part of the EU. They can just have one for the entire EU. So hopefully those borders will get broken down a little more. One other email I thought was interesting, vis-a-vis the new iPod, not Mm -hmm. the video iPod, just the iPod, uh um, from Glenn, is that he talks about the, the port at the top of the iPod, which used to let you plug in really great accessories such as FM transmitters, and um, the the Nyko button top that basically relocates all the controls from the the buttons on the iPod to the top of the iPod so that you can control it without taking it out of your purse, no longer useful. Gone. Gone. Hmm. And that Nyko thing, which actually got tons of traffic on our site, people were really interested in it, like kind of just came out. I still want one. <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm a little know. less thrilled. I'm not with committing. The, I'm a little less thrilled with the DRM on the video than. I thought I, I thought oh, it wouldn't really? bother me, but it's starting to bother me now that I've read more into the, some of the restrictions on it and whatnot. Uh. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. All right. Give us a call, 1-800-1888, not 1-800-1888-616-CNET. Oh. I bet that'll help the calls, huh? Yeah, that will help. <laughs> and uh, Or you can also email us by electronic mail. Use your preferred client at buzz at cnet.com. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.